Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dosh, Rinko Levers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, the podcast where James and I forgot to talk about what we're talking about on this episode, <laughs> but we're... I am in Mobile Journey 5 studio. I'm Dr. Steve, the vagabond traveler, Olivas, and he is James, still sitting, boring in his living room, Breakwell. And James, man, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. You are so, so, so far away. I have even more of a buffer than usual. But I am shocked that you think we even need to have something to talk about because you are on the road and this is going to consume our entire episode. I would say this is going to be about road trips in general, uh, but I'm pretty sure we're going to focus just on this. Are you uh, are you directing your son on, on where to go? Yes, we're uh, leaving a truck stop. I've got my cheeseburger roller grill items to eat as uh, it is lunchtime here in Meadow Lark, Meadow... Meadow View, Virginia, and uh, got cheeseburger rollers, and I've got some coffee, and we're trying to get on the interstate to roll back to Nashville. What other podcast is so dedicated slash unprofessional <laughs> that they would record in the middle of a road trip to avoid missing a week? I mean, there's nobody else. It's just us. Uh, no, and this is all for Judy P. It and, really uh, is. the other six dwarves that we have listening to us. Yes, the proud and sad brotherhood slash sisterhood of people who were willing to admit that they had listened to every episode. This is for you guys, but I think it's going to be a good one. So why don't you tell us what you're allegedly doing, and then I'll break down what I think you're actually doing today. So why are you on the road? Well, my son, as I thought you knew, but given our conversation leading up to this recording, I guess you didn't know. He goes to school up in the Northeast. Maybe you knew that, but didn't know, I knew exactly that. where. Yeah, I wasn't aware of the so, exact GPS coordinates. <laughs> so we have to get him and his car and all of his stuff back to Nashville, which requires, unless he drives at age 17, the 1,600 miles all by himself, <laughs> it requires one of us to fly up there and then co-pilot with him and shift off or trade off driving. So... Mrs. Steve, back in August, when she was losing her, her little boy, said, I just want to go up with him. I want to take that time with him. And she did it in August, and then uh, she did it again in November when we brought him back for Christmas. And this time I said, are you going up to get him? And she said, you go. <laughs> so I don't know if she's sick of him or sick of the drive, but here I am. So we're bringing all of this stuff back. That's the short answer to your question. Gotcha. So what I think you're actually doing is orchestrating your exit from wrong and wronger. Because we both oh, know that God, I wish. neither of us has the courage to quit this thing for some reason. So I figure that about halfway through this episode, you're going to shout something like, watch out for that truck, and the broadcast is just going to go dark. <laughs> You'll delete all your social media accounts, and I'll never hear from you again as you go to live on under an assumed name. And quite frankly, I... I respect the commitment. Like, if you're going to get out, get out. That, that's the way to do it. Well, and I think you saw on Twitter or Facebook, we just bought 25 acres out in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. So you might be on to something. 
I did not, I was thinking it was 20 acres, so it's up to 25 acres. Now this parcel keeps getting bigger and bigger. And actually, I thought for sure that was going to be our entire episode until I found out about this driving thing. <laughs> it was 20-ish acres, and we got the official plat last time we visited over the weekend, and it's 25.37. Five is a big-ish. That's a huge-ish. I've got like less than a quarter acre here on my little city lot, and you've got this, what is that, like a football field worth of land extra just tacked on there? You know, we went and we measured how much road frontage we have because wife wants to put like a split rail fence to make it look like someone lives there. And it's, I think, 537 feet just of road frontage, so almost two football fields of road frontage. It's obscenely big. Like, it's hard for me to even keep in mind. The part that I walk in, I was watching guys mow with those uh, little riders, uh, like at golf courses, those uh, zero turn mm -hmm. uh, lawnmower. Anyway, so I was thinking, all right, it takes them about a half hour to mow that section of the park. Let me do like a satellite thing to see how many acres it is. And it was like 2.3. And I was thinking, oh, I thought that was like 10 acres. It's amazing how scale changes when you're not physically standing somewhere looking at it. So you're doing it wrong. You should not put up a split rail fence to make it look like somebody lives there. You should definitely make it look uninhabited. So you, when you actually move in, nobody <laughs> knows you're there. Nobody knows how to find you. That's the, that's the real secret. And yeah, I like in terms of like building houses and stuff. That's that's all exciting and fascinating. I can't wait to see what horrible choices you make. <laughs> but if we go down this road, we're not. We're going to get way way off road trips. I want to stay focused to the current crisis at hand. So can your son? Well, can your son hear us talking right now, or can he only, yeah. he can only hear your half the conversation, probably. No, I'm actually, we worked this out so he didn't have to listen to silence and his dad throughout this. So I have <laughs> one of his earbuds in, and he's wearing the other earbud, so he can hear your end as well. Well, now the pressure's on. Now we know for sure there's one listener to this conversation, which is, it doubles our guaranteed number of listeners. I mean, I guess we, we always know Judy P, and we know everybody else goes back and listens eventually. But I, okay, so maybe maybe it increases by like 10%. Either way, the pressure's on. We have never before had a live audience. This is, this is a first. No, and I was just thinking, after our last week's episode, I'm going with we have seven dwarves listening to us. Okay. That would make me Prince Charming and you Snow White because you were like Lily White all the way through college almost, James. I, I don't know about that. I mean, you ha clearly haven't read that that book that you ordered yet because uh, <laughs> there has a, a vast list of my various misdeeds. <laughs> I'm clearly a very guilty person, but that's uh -huh. neither here nor there. So why didn't you trust your son to drive the whole way back? That seems like uh, an exciting teen adventure. And if you describe it as an exciting teen adventure, you can save your back and your butt from being in the car for 17 hours. Well, so when he came back for spring break, uh, he brought uh, like two of his idiot friends with him from school because they weren't able, one is Canadian and one is from Spain, so they weren't able to get back home for the week of spring break. And uh, we only found out after the fact that America, for as much as everyone hates America, which I don't understand, but we have it pretty good here insofar as kids can drive at 16. And in Canada, you've got to be 18. And oh. in Europe, I, I, they drive like rickshaws or ox carts or something. I don't know what Rodrigo <laughs> was driving. But the point is, my son had to drive the whole way both directions oh. for spring break. So wow. I don't think he was all that hip on driving back alone this time. 
Yeah, if I was him, I would just stop coming home to see you. I think that's the clear solution. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably stop coming home to see you if I went to school like half an hour away. I mean, I, it would not take much of a barrier for me to cut you off. But I, I appreciate his commitment. What is at your house that's pulling him back this great distance? I mean, I've got to think he's got his Xbox and his food at school. Like, what's, what's the appeal of going home? Uh, it's actually in the back of the car right now, his Xbox and all of his gear. But uh, uh, the appeal of going home is, <clears throat> I don't know that his uh, the family that he lives with up in the Northeast feeds him quite as well as we do. Ah. And so he wanted to come home and uh, put some weight back on. <laughs> as a 17-year-old as a hockey player, I'm sure he eats his, his weight in beef and potatoes every day. I mean, it's... Yes. I have heard horror stories of people, you know, raising teenage boys. And as a former teenage boy myself, I can recall a time when I could eat, like, an entire animal and just keep going. <laughs> I could, a frozen, an entire frozen pizza is like an appetizer. And for my wife and kids now, that can be like an entire meal. So the, the scale is entirely off. So I hope you have added a second fridge for the summer break. Oh, well, we just came on. We're on the heels of having two 18-year-old boys living in our house. And there was one day where all five of the boys were at home eating. And uh, Mrs. Steve took a picture of everyone at the dinner table. And she was in heaven. Like, she likes cooking for all of them. I, I just want to leave unscathed at the end of the meal. And just get enough for me to eat. So, yeah, I think uh, she's prepared and might even overfeed at this point. Wow, that is that is a feat. It's kind of like my uh, my one grandmother on my mom's side. So she raised nine kids, and they're like five thousand grandchildren approximately. So like there was no such thing as a small scale. Like everything she cooked was proportioned for an army. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate those quantities because then you don't have to feel bad. I would go up at the time, uh, back in my carb days, and I would get an entire plate full of mashed potatoes, like literally one edge <laughs> of the plate to the other of mashed potatoes, cover it in gravy, and then go back and do it again. Like just infinite oh, potatoes. Where, where else in life can you get infinite mashed potatoes made with love with the, with the greatest gravy of all times? So that's, yeah. I, and I not that. gain weight. Yes, that, those were magical times. And then you start gaining weight and your entire life falls apart. Man, do, do not waste those precious few years. It's like being on steroids. You just, no matter every, anything you put in your body, it just turns into additional height and additional muscle. Like if you could bottle yeah. that, you, could, you would be an instant billionaire. Uh, yeah, that is a magical time. I don't know, is your son done growing yet or is he still getting taller? Uh, I think he's about done. He's about 6'1", I think. How tall are you? Yeah. <clears throat> he doesn't want to talk on my... <laughs> he was actually so... irritated. He does the uh, the intro to my commute. He does an intro per year, and it's always like pulling teeth to get him to just say his lines that I write for him. <laughs> but he's, uh, he's a bit shy. He is a like smart... He's a smart man. He knows that the internet is forever, and he does not want the shame of being on a second Steve Olivas podcast. I mean, you know, he could be running for president someday, and it'll come up where well, you said two lines on this awful podcast. Get him out of here. Ruin his entire career. Yes. And, and well-deserved. I mean, clearly, I, we've we've both effectively canceled ourselves with this. We come on here with no script, no filter, never edit anything, just talk for 25 minutes. The fact that a mob hasn't burned down both of our houses yet is, uh, is truly shocking, but maybe it's just because it's a lot harder to find me than it is to find you. Well, 
then nobody really listens. So well, that that's too. the other upside <laughs> of being us. Yeah. That is the uh, that is the ultimate safety net. However, there is no statute of limitations. So, you know, God willing, if one of us becomes famous 20 or 30 years from now, because as you pointed out many times, we're certainly not there now, especially me. But if it should well, ever happen, we will, of course, leave this massive archive of audio up because <laughs> we're dumb, and it will come back and retroactively destroy us. We have uh, quite a library back there that if anyone downloads all of it they'll have stuff to listen to almost ad infinitum it's we're almost like youtube like you can't ever get to the end of the rope and that's kind of where wrong and wronger is at it, it really is and and when you listen to it it seems about five times longer than it is i think it's, it's, it's like the car trip that never ends but that's okay right, wait i'm on that one we are we are just here to fill dead airtime you know actually my parents they only listen they they, they don't listen to wrong and wronger they, they only love me so much but they listen to 10 sure. minutes to save your marriage but they only listen to it on road trips oddly enough that's the one time they turn it on uh, but we're not beating out much because the alternative is silence. My dad will do five or six hour car rides and complete silence. No audiobooks, no podcasts, not even music, just silence. What that does is he think about? What's I, I don't, in his mind? I don't know. I don't have enough on my mind to fill two or three minutes, let alone five or six hours. <laughs> The only thing I can put together is that after being in a house with seven kids is that the silence is the greatest sound in the world, and he just wants to savor it. But that's, uh, I couldn't do it. I would go insane. Man. And there's so little that happens when you're on the road. Although we did just have, before we pulled into the truck stop, there was a cement mixer in front of us on the freeway, and there was an explosion and uh, one of its back tires exploded and there was like shrapnel that flew up in the air and I was like in a J.J. Abrams movie trying to dodge <laughs> all the shrapnel coming down and bouncing on the freeway so there was a little bit of excitement and I almost died and couldn't be on the show anymore, James. So you never know what's going to happen between here and Nashville. It wouldn't have counted, though, if you didn't get it on video. There's no point in faking your death with a, just a, a text police report. you got to have the video. It's got to be <laughs> during the podcast or it doesn't count. You know, I think the Mythbusters did something about an exploding truck tire. I think the myth was that an exploding tire, like the pieces could fly back and decapitate you because there's like a metal lining inside the tire. And I could be completely wrong on every fact of this story, but I want to say they found it was true. Like, it was physically possible, but it took, like, extreme odds for it to happen in just the right way. But either way, it could have, like, shattered your windshield or something. Who was driving at the time? Was that you or the boy? It was me. It was you. And I'll tell you, most people think that when you get a flat, your tire just like goes down. But when those truck tires go, it is an event. Yeah, I mean, regular car tires definitely don't explode like that. I think I've seen an exploding tire once before. I mean, luckily they've got, what, two wheels on each side, so when it blows, yeah. they can they can still get to the side. I don't know how long they can run on one wheel, but it is it is certainly dramatic. Did the, did the semi fishtail all over the place, or did it just calmly slow to a stop? No, it was not a semi, which is good. It was a cement mixer. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so okay. those trucks are pretty compact. And uh, you, man, you could probably hear that thing go for I, maybe a half mile. Like, it was a loud explosion. So the driver knew immediately and just sort of pulled over. But uh, he didn't have to worry about all the shrapnel coming back. And there were a couple of good-sized pieces that I was the most concerned with. So I'm glad Mythbusters said, yeah, 
that, those things weigh a lot too. Like a truck tire. If you look at, you ever watch a NASCAR race? The mm -hmm. tires on their stock cars, not really stock, but they weigh 80 pounds each. Now just scale that up to what a truck tire weighs. There's a lot of mass coming at you. You're doing 75, and it's coming backwards with the speed of an explosion. You know, uh, those tires, when they're on a uh, cement mixer, might actually have more weight on them than a standard semi anyway. Because you figure a semi, half the time it's empty or half empty. Right. And even when they're doing it, it's not like they're you know, hauling pure rock. And that's really what a cement mixer is. I know there's a, a spot in Iowa where a cement mixer crashed or broke down and the, the part that churns the cement fell off. And it oh, went in a geez. ditch. And uh, it hardened. So it's just like a gigantic boulder in there. I mean, it just weighs tons and tons. And they never even bothered to move it. They just left it there. And so finally somebody came along and painted it up like a Gemini yeah. space capsule to make it like a tourist attraction. <laughs> but they just never moved the thing. It was that heavy. So yeah, I've got I've to think of if there's one thing you don't want to go out of control when it's right in front of you, it's a cement mixer. Boy, I can't imagine if they would have been able to just winch that thing out of there, that uh, winch, not winch, sorry, that they couldn't have gotten the cement out of the drum anyway. Like, that sort of becomes one solid object. Oh, yeah, there, there'd no, be no saving the drum. You would just simply relocate the trash from there to a <laughs> landfill or a junkyard or something like that. Yeah, at that point, done is done, definitely. Um, I've got to think, though, that your drive is more interesting than my usual ones. We were talking just briefly before the episode. I talked about how I'm used to distances where, you know, six or eight hours, you can get to pretty much anywhere in the Midwest, especially when you start out in the middle of it like I do. But almost everything looks exactly the same, unless you go real far. If you go up into Michigan, it starts to look a little bit, little bit different. If you get up into northern Wisconsin, it looks a little bit different. But everything else is just soybean and cornfields. But you over yeah. there, you're seeing a whole topography that I have never witnessed. What's it like over there? Well, we're go we uh, going through upstate New York was relatively boring, but once we got into PA, we went through Scranton and Wilkes-Barre and all through the mountains of Pennsylvania, and then we went all the way down, and we're about to enter Tennessee in a little bit here in uh, five miles. We went all the way down the spine of Virginia through what I think are the Blue Ridge Mountains and then into the eastern part of the Smoky Mountains. And it's not only scenic, but it makes it to where you have to actually concentrate even with the cruise control on <laughs> because the roads are windy both left, right, and up, down, and there's semis everywhere. Like, this is the main truck route, I think, the main artery for trucking. And uh, the trucks are going at various speeds, depending on how much load they have and how well they can make it up the mountains. So you gotta pay attention, it's like a Frogger game. You know, that reminds me of, uh, of Missouri. I guess I just got done saying that all of the Midwest is the same, but if you go south, it gets a little different too. But central to southern, southern Missouri, there's a section that's real hilly and curvy, and it's like that down where my brother lives, and there's no guardrails anyway, anywhere. So it's like, okay, I guess for once in my life, I'm going to pay attention to the road so I don't go flying off a 15-foot dip and, you know, end up here for a while. That is, that is less than ideal. Um, I didn't realize you were almost back to Tennessee, though. In my mind, uh, you're almost complete, but I guess Tennessee is a very long state. So how many hours do you have left? Uh, we've got a good four hours left. Like really? Tennessee, if you go from Bristol, which is where the Speedway is in the northeast, all the way to Memphis, which is in the southwest, it's probably a seven and a half hour drive. Like Tennessee is wow. extremely long. I had no idea. You're definitely crossing it the wrong way. 
Uh, what was the? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> have you been on interstate the whole way? Yeah. Well, yes, I have. Now, uh, for my son to get to Albany, there's no. It's interesting. Once you get into the real New Englandy part of Northeast, which is Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine. Uh, probably Connecticut a little bit too. If you've ever tried to get to ESPN's uh, mothership, you realize this. There aren't a lot of interstates through those states. So it's all back roads, two lane, farm roads. Like huh. it's difficult to get quickly from one place to the next. So I take it there's no airport nearby his school in Vermont. There is, but because uh, I fly for basically free on Southwest Airlines, <laughs> Vermont. Uh, Delta will fly into Vermont, but Southwest does not. So I wanted to get him to a, a smaller airport so it's easier for him to navigate. Mm. Like if I flew into Logan and asked him to try to figure out how to pick me up at Boston Logan Airport, I'd, he would have gone mental. Like that airport is insane. So Albany's a nice mid-level airport, easy in, easy out, easy to find me. And so we did the, the, the prisoner pickup there. How did your wife then, when she drove him up to school, how did she get to Albany then? Fly back. Well, she didn't. So we brought him up to, I say we, <laughs> I sat around my underpants, watched television. But uh, she took him up in August, which was still during the big time of the vid. So ah. because she wasn't sure, and, and Vermont was one of the more conservative, and I use that term loosely with air quotes. <laughs> I think you know how I feel about all this, but one of the more conservative states with regard to quarantine. So I wasn't sure if she would be able to even stay in a hotel without being like government forced to like quarantine. So she rented a camper and drove him up and towed his car behind. Wow. Uh, that's how she got up there and back. So she drove back alone the whole way in a camper. In a rented camper, no less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things, those things charge by the mile when you rent like that. Like you probably could have bought a second twenty-five acre plot for that price. They, it's. Uh, I don't think they rent by the mile. Uh, I, I thought. I guess I thought. I was thinking there's like an overage charge if you go a certain distance, and you went about as far as you could go. You went to the very edge of America. I, I guess maybe I'm mistaken. <laughs> that not far from Canada. Like it's a stone's throw to Montreal from where my son's school is. I ponder that. Actually, one time I actually looked up renting RVs. Well, that's that could be a fun vacation thing. You know, get the kids away from people yeah. where they can cause a scene, have our humiliation in private, all of that. <laughs> but ultimately, what slowed me down is I'm terrified of driving something that big. And if you do drive something, you really do have to tow a vehicle because once you get it all hooked up with to the, yeah. you know, the electricity and stuff, it's like, all right, let's go into town to eat. It's like you don't want to pick up your whole house and move. You just got it all set up. <laughs> so you got to have a, a vehicle. And like, I don't think I'm capable of driving something that big, towing something something else that big. So where, where did your wife develop those skills or did she just do it? Well, you know her from Twitter. Like she just does it. Ah. We, we were, so we have this property and we're talking about getting a pool and I'm like, I don't know if we can afford a pool. And she's like, no, you can rent one of those diggers for $600 a week. And I said, I don't think you can swim in a digger. And she said, no, we'll <laughs> dig our own pool. And I'm like, I don't know that we needs to start that sentence, but okay. Oh, man, yeah. I, you know, I watched somebody actually build a pool on one of those random Facebook videos that pop up, and they did the whole thing. Really? And people were like, yeah, and people were like, well, that's pretty impressive, except they didn't put any plumbing in it. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, there was no drain. There was no anything. It was just a giant concrete pit in their yard. It's like, like, okay, I could see how that's going to cause some problems down the road. Uh, but uh, oh. presumably Mrs. Steve would, would do it better than that or hire plumbers for the necessary 
concrete part, or maybe you just dig the hole and have somebody else do the concrete. There's a whole, a whole spectrum of ways where you can do all or part of it and not end up with a, a concrete death pit. But maybe a concrete death pit is her goal. I mean, if it is just you and her, I mean, I can see a very easy way for her to make it just her. Well, and uh, that's how Jimmy Hoffa left this earth, so I can <laughs> see that happening. Yeah. Well, we're going to put up like a little, uh, like a little metal building to live in while we're building a house. And she's like, "Well, we can build the building." And I said, "Wait, what are you talking about?" She said, "Those metal buildings, they just uh, you just put them together. It's a kit." And I'm like, "Maybe, but how do you put a roof on if it's just two of us and you're a girl and we have a ladder? Like, I don't think that's gonna work." But she is determined to DIY everything that we possibly can, which I both respect and fear about her. Man, there is so much I want to unpack there, but that is going to be a that is going to be like a three-part episode arc as we dive <laughs> into your insane plans for this property. There's so much I want to know and understand and mock. But for right now, we probably need to get out of here so you can continue this drive. It looks like you failed to die during the broadcast, so uh, that's on you. No, I dropped the ball. I apologize yeah. for that. My son's a much better driver than me. But uh, we will drive on to next week, and hopefully you can meet us at our next Wednesday destination. But thank goodness for joining us along on the journey today, and until we meet again, this is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve for James the Static and Exploding Unicorn saying thanks for watching. Exploding like a concrete mixer truck tire, by the way. <laughs> saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and remember, as always, two wrongs. And make a ride.